Wake up, West Georgia. It's time for the podcast powered by coffee and Mountain Dew. The Morning Five with Bryce Sparling and Billy Lindahl. Wake up, West Georgia. It's time for your favorite morning podcast. It is the Morning Five for Tuesday, June 27th. And as always, it's brought to you by the Perrion Lawyers. Nobody wakes up thinking, man, I hope I hire a lawyer today. But hey, life happens. Don't call one of those big law firms with overused slogans and thousands of billboards. We have a top-notch law firm right here in West Georgia. The Perrion Lawyers with offices in Carrollton and Bremen. Personal injury, workman's comp, and everything in between. Find them at callcadenow.com. That's C-A-L-L-C-A-D-E-N-O-W.com. Local lawyers, catchy slogans, a few billboards, big results. Bryce, today is 37 days away from the NFL, 38 days away from high school football, and 60 means zero days away from college football. Let's go. All right, we're getting there. We're getting there, man. So two months from today, we will begin college football, and I cannot wait. I can't wait. It's, it's going to be an exciting season this year. Um, the, the, thing about co- <clears throat> the thing about college football this year that's really exciting is like, there's no really clear-cut favorite right now. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know Georgia's going to bring back a bunch of people for having back-to-back national championships. I, I know Ohio State's going to be very talented, but they have a question mark at quarterback. Uh, USC is, is bringing back their quarterback, but there's a big question mark there. It's going to be a very exciting college football season this year just because of the unknown. It's also National Ice Cream Cake Day. Are you a big fan? It, yeah, that's actually the uh, the cake I used to get for my birthday is ice cream cake. Um, we used to go up to uh, Coldstone. That's the name of the place. Uh, Coldstone in Douglasville is where we used to get my ice cream cakes. Um, yeah, I like I like ice cream cake. I'm a big fan. All right. Well, last night, the Braves beat the Twins 4-1 to one to begin their three-game set with those uh, nasty twins from up in Minnesota. Acuna had a two-RBI home run, which was awesome. Um, Ozuna and Darno had an RBI piece, and Strider had probably one of his better games that I've seen him pitch in a while. Um, seven innings, one earned run, 10 Ks. Um, I literally looked up at Gavin um, at the sixth inning. I was like, he's only had like 54 pitches or 64 pitches. I said, what is going on? <laughs> this is this is not normal. Um, so it was, it was very, very, very good night for the Braves. Um, and, and I'm going to go ahead and say, tell the listening audience, um, Gavin looked to me literally bright. The pitch before Acuna hit that bomb and said, he's going, he's going to hit a home run here. I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did because if he didn't, Spencer Strider would have got saddled with a no decision. Uh, that was that. That was the bottom of the seventh, right there. Um, then it was a one-one game. And if Acuna didn't hit that, no, 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 no. Ozuna, Oz- Ozuna had already put us ahead, so we're good at that. I- point. I'm sorry, but- I-, I meant the Ozuna home run. Yeah, yeah, that's but, that, so- that's the worst part about like like your point that you brought up the, every week. The win-loss record sucks. It's it's a it's a crappy it's a crappy way to determine how good your pitcher was. And uh, dude, I uh, we were I was sitting there watching the game and I was like I was just thinking I was like if if we don't score here in the bottom of the seventh. Spencer Strider, who just pitched arguably his one of his best games of the season, one of his top two games of the season, yeah. is going to get saddled with a no decision, and that is so unfair. 
Uh, but yeah, luckily Ozuna did hit that solo shot in the bottom of the seventh to, to give Spencer Strider uh, a win. And it, yeah, Billy, it was it was nice to see, uh, especially coming off the um, the outing in Philly where he did similar things, gave up a lot of hits, but only one earned run. And, and that came off the back of two starts where we were like, uh-oh, what's what's wrong with Spencer? Like, he, he gave up 13 runs in two starts. Like, is this is it an injury? Is it fatigue? What's going on? It's really nice to see him. I'm going to steal this from, um, uh, from Jeff Schultz on Twitter. It's nice to see him hit his stride again, if you will. Um, it's a breath of fresh air, and it was a – he went deep into the game – when we needed it the most because of how taxed our bullpen was after that red series, it, that like a, it's great to see Spencer only give up one earned run and strike out uh, 10 over seven innings. But the fact that he went seven innings last night was so big for our pin. It was massive. And then coming in, um, you know, it, the, honestly, that first inning kind of worried me because it, it got started off kind of rough, you know, first and third, and he was able to wiggle out of that without giving up anything. And then the only the only mistake he made was he left a 98-mile-an-hour fastball over the heart of the plate to Joey Gallo. I mean, that's the only – that's it. That's going to happen. You know, that's – hey, that's baseball. These guys are professional ball ballplayers. Um, I, I was with you. I, I, I came up in the first uh, and, and flipped it on, and I saw first and third, and I was like, oh, Christ, Strider again, really? And then I went, I went out and did some stuff, and I got back in the third inning, and I saw it was one to nothing, and I was like, "Oh, I was like, okay, all right, fine, no, no, no real damage done, that's fine." Um, so I mean, I mean, yeah, another stellar start from Spencer Strider, who I wonder if he is still the betting favorite for the NL Cy Young right now. Ah, that's a good question. Um, Kirby H gets a save last night, his first save since 2020. Um, it was really, really impressive uh, inning in the ninth. I, I really enjoyed watching him pitch. That was the first time I had seen him pitch in, in person, so it was really nice. Uh, Braves have won 11 of their last 12 and are 24 games above 500 and have a seven-game lead in the East. Massive right now. I mean, it's just... This is just insane, man. We are 51-27. and 27. Just, what? Like... It just blows my mind. Yeah. Playing good baseball right now. Brian Snicker said, no decision has been made on Wednesday's starting pitcher as of yet. However, there, Mike Roca, who just was named um, AAA Pitcher of the Week, has been speculated as the uh, starting pitcher for Wednesday. So that would be nice to see again. And then uh, also a little bit more news. Max Freed threw his third bullpen last night and is moving closer to facing live hitters which is him back after the all-star break yeah so that's sort of about the timetable that we were thinking like sometime in july after the all-star break it's good to see that'd be such a shot in the arm to get max freed back um i just looked up the the nl cy young uh right now zach gallon is leading the way in in uh nl cy young betting uh, he okay for, for the Diamondbacks. Clayton Kershaw is second. Spencer Strider is third right now. So I mean, you still got a guy in the top three, which is which is nice to see. But something that shocked me, Billy, and I, I don't know why it shocked me, but it just did. Uh, the NL MVP race right now. You can either take Ronald Acuna Jr. at minus one forty, or take the field at plus one hundred eight. Good lord, that's it. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, plus 108 for the field. Ronnie at minus 140. Ronnie's just doing Ronnie things, man. He is 17 he, home runs on the year. Question is, and I, I didn't, we didn't get to see him steal last night, but how many um, steals is he sitting at? Does he uh, have 17 home runs? He is <clears throat> right now. Let me see. I think he's at 30 something steals at the moment. 35. And he is one of only four MLB players since baseball started to have 35 plus stolen bases and 30 plus extra base hits before July 1st. He is one of only four players to do that. Uh, Ty Cobb did it in 1911. Ricky Henderson did it in 1986. And then there was one other person in the 90s that did it, and I forget his name. But one of only four people to have 35-plus stolen bases and 30-plus extra base hits before July 1st. Uh, One of four. And and baseball has been played for a long, long time, folks. Like, that is is absolutely unseen. He's hitting 328 right now, 17 home runs, 49 RBIs, a 971 OPS. He has 35 stolen bases. I mean, there's, it, it you know, it's, I guess it's not a surprise that his NL MVP odds are what they are. Honestly, the, the kid is just insane. Yeah, he's he's above and beyond everything else. Yeah. Braves will continue their series tonight. Bryce Elder on the mound for the Braves. All right, uh, Bryce. Let's get to so a couple weeks ago we did our all-time NBA greats and then all-time NHL greats. So let's get to the all-time uh, Major League Baseball greats. So let's start with the infield, including the catcher here. So uh, why don't you go ahead with yours? All right. So my catcher is Johnny Bench. He was the Rookie of the Year in '68, ten Gold Gloves, fourteen-time All-Star, <coughs> a two-time MVP. Uh, World Series MVP and a Hall of Famer. At first, I have Lou Gehrig, two-time MVP, triple crown winner, seven-time All-Star, Hall of Fame member. I mean, Lou Gehrig is one of my favorite baseball players of all time, top five. Should be. Yep. At second base, I got Rogers Hornsby. He is a two-time NL triple crown winner, two-time NL MVP, and a Hall of Famer. At shortstop, I have Cal Ripken Jr., Rookie of the Year winner, Two-time MVP, 19-time All-Star, eight-time Silver Slugger, uh, two-time All-Star MVP, two-time Gold Glove winner, Hall of Famer, and the owner of the longest streak ever played in baseball for a number of games. Do you remember off the top of your head how many how many games Cal Ripken played? Do you remember what that number was? 2,400 and... Uh, no, Somewhere I don't. Insane. An insane amount of games. That's just... That's nuts. Uh, and at third base, Billy, I don't know if this is a homer pick, but I truly believe this is the greatest third baseman of all time. It's Chipper Jones. Uh, eight-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, MVP in 99, a World Series champion. Well, he wasn't on the 95 team. I don't yes, I don't think he was. Um, but one of the greatest switch hitters of all time, uh, greatest third baseman in my opinion, uh, Chipper Jones is, is my third baseman. So I, I agree with you on three of them. I agree with you, Lou at first, um, Hornsby at second, and Chipper at third. And I, I went back and forth, like on Schmidt at third or George Brett at third. You know, I was thinking along those lines, and I was like, you know what? Chipper did this a little bit more modern. He did this against better pitching. 
like, no, like we're going with Chipper. Yeah. Um, but Bryce, so the the only reason I disagree with you on catcher, Johnny Bench is a great catcher. There's no doubt, and a lot of people immediately immediately go to Johnny Bench for a catcher, right? But why do you play? Why do you play the game? You play to win the game. Okay. Yogi Berra has ten world championships. Holy! I did not know Yogi Berra had that many World Series. Holy crap! That's crazy. <laughs> Jesus, dude, that's nuts. <laughs> oh my god! I did not know. Is that is that the most is that the most World Series by a single MLB player? Oh, I gotta look that. I gotta look that up, dude. I did not know he had ten World Series. Oh my, that's nuts! And like you think about it, especially back in the day when Yogi played. Like I, I guess even now, but even more so when Yogi played, like the catcher was the captain of the team. Like he he was the guy that drove the bus. And you know when you have ten World Series championship rings, I mean that's what he he, he wins one more. He can't wear all his rings on his hands. He's got to wear one on his toes. Right. That's crazy. He's a Hall of Famer, three time MVP, and eighteen time All Star, which is just baffling to me too. Eighteen years in the All Star game. That's awesome. Um, my, uh, the only difference that I have is that the other difference I have is shortstop. Um, I'm going to go with Hannes Wagner. Hannes Wagner was a hall of famer and eight time batting champ, like eight times batting champ. Yeah. And he was also a world series champion. Yeah. That's, so it's, I mean, but he played, I mean, that that's the tough thing. It's like. You know, I, I, even even Lou Gehrig. Like, I love Lou Gehrig. I love Honus Wagner. I love Rogers Hornsby. Like, I love all these old time players. They're, you know, they're some of my favorites of all time. But they played in such a different type of baseball than than has been played in the '80s and the '90s and the 2000s. But I mean, if you, if we're just going to go off of stats and look at like you can't deny what they did for the game. Like you, the, their stats are their stats, no matter what era they played in they were playing up against like opponents like players are now you know so um but yeah I, I like i like honus wagner i think honus wagner for a long time was the holder of the most expensive baseball card ever sold uh i don't i don't know if he i don't know if honus wagner still has that moniker um but i know he hold, held it for a long long time he had a uh i don't remember how much that baseball card was worth millions of dollars um and Yogi Berra does have the most World Series rings of all time for an MLB player with ten. Yeah, yeah. Joe DiMaggio is you second. Game, right? Joe DiMaggio is second with nine. Uh, Lou Gehrig, Phil Rizzuto, Bill Dickey, Frankie, uh, Frankie Cassetta—they're all tied at eight. Yeah, ten, ten World Series rings. That's crazy, man. That's absolutely nuts. So we'll we'll continue the series, um, do the outfield a little bit later. But um, tomorrow is our um, pop culture Wednesday, and uh, Bryce and I already are going to argue. I can I, I already know we're going to argue tomorrow. Yeah, <sighs> Thursday Thursday we got the outfield, and then Friday we're going to do the pitchers. We have our we have five pitchers on our MLB All Star team that we're putting together. So we got the we got the rest of that coming up this week. Uh, today we have the NFL preview once again. Packers and Vikings today, two teams that I don't know come into this season. One of them with a lot of uncertainty, and the one of them sort of just trying to tread water, I guess. Uh, so the Packers have more uncertain uncertainty surrounding them than any other team in the NFC North, and I would argue 
probably any other team in the NFC. The prospect of them improving following the departure of their Hall of Fame quarterback, it seems very, very slim. There, that's especially true with moving to a relatively unknown first-round pick who has spent years in the building without much time on the field. Billy, does this sound familiar for the Packers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. Guy sitting behind there, not sure what he's got, coming in after a Hall of Famer. Hmm, rinse, repeat for the Packers. Uh, the Packers' offense was a little bit tumultuous with some drama created by Aaron Rodgers last year. Uh, but Green Bay ultimately got the trade done. Uh, the offseason was... It was kind of weird. Rodgers announcing where he was going to play before it actually happened. It was a very odd set of circumstances. Uh, but the trade did allow them not just to secure an extension for Jordan Love, but also gave them capital to really invest in the offensive players during their draft. Uh, the Packers didn't have as much roster churn as the Lions or the Bears in the NFC North, but it may be more impactful than for either of those two franchises. Moving on from Rodgers and his preferred rut uh, routine of receivers, means that we have a completely different-looking franchise, especially on offense for the Packers this year. Uh, and though the defense statistically was about average last year, it's always a concerning sign when the defensive coordinator uh, that fans have been railing against for years continues to run that side of the ball. So the defensive scheme is... is I don't want to say it's going to be an issue because it wasn't an issue last year, but I know, <clears throat> I know Packers fans were not happy with the defense last year. Uh, I, I really, I really don't have any faith in the Packers. They are bringing in so many new names. They have a new captain on there. It's a bit of an, a bit of an unknown for Packer Nation going into the season without Rodgers at the helm. I just don't see enough talent on the offensive or defensive side of the ball to get them anywhere close to a wild card or sniffing the playoffs this year. I got the Packers sitting at five and twelve and being eliminated and and probably being one of the top five Good picks Lord. in the NFL draft next year. That's insane. I, I like you go from. It's amazing what one quarterback will do. Plus, I mean, the the turnover that they've had has been kind of. But just one quarterback. It's amazing what what it can do to to a team. I mean, look at what happened with Tampa Bay. Yeah, and sort of the same thing. same thing that's happening to Tampa Bay is happening to the Packers. Like, not only did they lose their quarterback, they lost a lot of offensive firepower. I mean, that that quarterback brought with yeah. the personnel that he had there. So they lose wide receivers, they lose tight ends, they lose their quarterback, they lost a couple offensive linemen. So it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long year for Packers Nation and Ty Schmidt this year, I think. <clears throat> Over on the opposite side, out in Minnesota. The Vikings, despite the recent change in the coaching staff and front office, the Minnesota Vikings have largely the same franchise for the past several years with a consistent and productive offense and a defense that never quite seems to meet its potential for some reason. As a result, they've gotten less intriguing than the other teams in the division, but as a result, they might be in a better position for a playoff run than any of their rivals. If Kevin O'Connell truly is an offensive wizard, then we'll get to see Kirk Cousins at his best which we arguably haven't quite seen, but on the other hand, Kirk Cousins at his best doesn't exactly strike fear into the minds of most NFL fans and defensive coordinators. Uh, the Vikings move on from franchise quarterstone Adam Thielen and Eric Kendrick, but both of them were underperforming last year, if we're honest. The wide receiver and linebacker rooms largely look the same, with the Vikings looking at one on-the-roster replacement for Kendrick in the first-round replacement for Thielen this year. The biggest change is in the cornerback room for Minnesota. Minnesota cut one cornerback and allowed four others to walk in free agency. They've already drafted two cornerbacks in the previous draft, but in order to deal with the significant changes, 
The Vikings also added a cornerback in free agency with Byron Murphy and with another draft pick, Makai Blackman. At the end of the day, Minnesota will likely see minor improvements on the offensive side of the ball, somewhat significant improvements on the defensive side of the ball, and that could be enough to make them playoff contenders again. I don't think they're good enough to win the North, but I do think they're good enough to snag a wild card spot in the NFC. I got the Vikings sitting at 11-6, and it wouldn't surprise me if they get a first-round victory in the playoffs. Wow. Okay. Because if you think about it, one of these wild cards is going to have to travel to whoever wins the NFC South. And I got if – it, if it's the Vikings traveling to – Atlanta or New Orleans, I would probably pick the Vikings right now in that first round matchup. Yeah, there's the NFC South doesn't really strike the fear in anybody's hearts right now, do, do they? Absolutely not. No, they're they're poo poo. But hey, whoever wins it, we'll get a uh, we'll get a playoff spot in a home in a home uh, home playoff game in round one. So that's uh that's something, I guess. That's true. Yep, and we uh, we'll continue our NFL preview. Uh, tomorrow with the Broncos and Chargers. And then we wrap up on Thursday with the Chiefs and Raiders. Billy, let's get to the Marine South scoreboard from last night. In the NL East, the Brewers beat the Mets 2-1, and the Nats fall to the Mariners 8-4. So Mets and Nationals both losing last night. Great news for our Atlanta Braves. Um, I was just looking at that real quick. So the Nationals, you know, they suck. Right. But they're 21 games back right now of the Braves. They've only got 30 wins on the season. Um, the Mets are 16 games back. Oh, no. And do you realize how much money they have spent on that team? And they are 16 games back. Could somebody give Frank the Tank like a coronary? Dude, because... he is losing it on TikTok. Fantastic. Fantastic. Wow. Wow. You know, there's rumors flying around now that the Mets are trying to trade for Otani. <laughs> because, of course. Yeah, yeah, there's there's, there's rumors. I've seen like seven or eight different uh, dr- uh, trade speculations on what the Mets could trade to get Otani to, to New York. And, like, I mean, you're, you're 17 games back in the loss column. Like, is, that, is that really going to – I don't know. But, yeah. Right. The, the, Mets, uh, the Mets, what are they, the fourth most expensive team in baseball? Number one. They're the number one most expensive? $337 million in their payroll. Jesus. That is, that's just, that's crazy. Uh, it's awesome. So, so there, so, so the, Mets, <laughs> the Mets payroll, number one right now, they're $344 million is their payroll. That, okay. that is, that is $60 million more than the second place team. 60 million more than the second place team in the Yankees. So I saw I saw a set. It was it was something on Facebook. It was one of those, you know, diagrams yeah. things. It was like Scherzer and Verlander were like 80 million combined. Yep. This year. And then they showed like Acuna, Albies, Olsen, Riley, and a few other pitchers like added to that and we're all under 80 80 million dollars that's the fantastic that is <laughs> that is absolutely fa- i mean if you look at the braves right now the braves sit at number eight in, in uh salary at 202 million and we have a 65 game we have 65 percent winning percentage right now so it's uh it's good to be a brave it's good to be a brave we'll leave it at that 
Uh, on the Smith's floor cover, or on the... Uh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I was, I, was, I was trying to read my phone to say, I can't multitask. On the Smith's floor coverings, games and events calendar for tonight in the NL East, Marlins at Red Sox at 710, Brewers at Mets at 710, Phillies at Cubs at 805, and Nationals at Mariners at 940. So the only thing that I'm I'm worried about, and I'm not necessarily worried about, but the only thing I'm I'm necessarily worried about is the Marlins for the Braves. Um, they're the closest to us, but and, and they're a much better team than they have been in the past, a much better team. Um, but do you, do you know why I'm not else? worried about them? Why? Who are they? They're the Marlins. Thank you. There we go. That's it. That's all I need to know. The Marlins. So uh, the other thing that I was thinking of. And Bryce, you may have the ability to pull up the Braves schedule here in a second. Um, Braves should be playing Tampa soon, which will be a fantastic series. I cannot wait for that. Uh, the two best teams in Major League Baseball. It's coming up before the All-Star break, I think. Yeah, it's, right? the, it's the last series before the All-Star break. Honestly, the last two series before the All-Star break should be awesome. It's uh, We're at Cleveland, uh, and then we are at Tampa Bay. Yeah, at Cleveland will be... Man. We get to see J Ram. Yeah. Okay. Cleveland might win the AL uh, AL Central. The Twins are winning the AL Central right now. Yeah, Cleveland's a game and a half back. Anyway, there's there's. there's but that was history. that was my thought. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be good. But I still hate interleague play. I mean, three of our last four series going into the All Star break is against American League teams. I hate it. I hate interleague play. It, old. That'd be the first thing I'd do if I was if I was commissioner of baseball is get rid of interleague play. You're such an old fuddy duddy. I would get rid of interleague right. play. I would make games seven innings. You need another cup of coffee. Indeed, sir. Alright, another cup of coffee brought to you by Real Tech Hannah Strong with the Robert Goolsby Real Estate Group. The Atlanta Hawks have traded JC to the Utah Jazz and opened up a huge exception. And this was just, just when we, this came across, you and I were kind of back and forth going, what, what was this? Yeah. For it, Rudy Gay. It was, um, uh, essentially a salary dump. We traded somebody that we were going to pay, I uh, think 25, a little over 25 million this year, uh, for a guy that's going to get 6.4 million this year. Rudy Gay's contract is expiring as well. I would expect the Hawks to waive him once we get him. This this trade can't be completed until July 6th. Uh, but over over the next three years, John Collins was owed $78 million. So we essentially we essentially traded a $78 million contract for a $6.4 million contract. Um, this allows the Hawks to drop far below the $182.5 million second apron and beneath the $165 million luxury tax threshold for 23-24. Uh, what a lot of people are expecting, and I'm going to burst your bubble with this, a lot of people are expecting this to add some more flexibility underneath the caps, uh, underneath the cap space so the Hawks can make more moves. Um, that is not going to happen, folks. Uh, the, the Hawks' ownership has told the GM and told everybody involved that they do not want to be in the luxury tax this year. Uh, anytime you see a report that says the Hawks' ownership would be fine moving into the luxury tax and paying it, it is a lie. Um, it is a lie they're telling the fans. Trust me, it happened last year. 
And um, this is this is one thousand percent just a salary dump so that he get underneath the salary underneath the luxury tax. Yeah, it sucks. John Collins was a was a good hawk. I mean, he was. Yeah, yeah and he, he'll always be remembered for the dunk on Joel Embiid in the, the <sighs> yeah. in, in the playoffs. I even have a shirt of that, just him dunking on yeah. Embiid. That was awesome. But yeah, JC, I got. Hey man, I'll be I'll be cheering for JC out in Utah, just like I did Kayvon this year out in Sacramento. So. Best of luck to you. We'll, you know, we'll see if there's any more trades that are going to happen for Atlanta this year. Um, but it's uh, that was a that was a straight salary dump. Connor McJesus, uh, Connor McDavid wins the Hart Trophy as the NHL's MVP for the third time. Good job, Connor. Good job. He was he was by far and away the MVP candidate. He had 159 points last year alone. Jesus, stupid. Connor, Mc, Connor McDavid wins it this year. And Connor Bernard's going to win it next year. I hope so. Don't don't tease me like that. Bryce. That's that's. Oh, listen. All I've heard when people bring up the NHL is how good Bernard's going to be. He's like the second coming. I, I freaking hope so. That's all I've heard. Oh, Connor, he's going to Chicago. Connor Bernard. Connor Bernard. That's all he's I've heard. He's going to Chicago. So I I hope you're right because dear Lord. Chicago of course, of course, him. he's going to Chicago. I've also heard that the NHL uh, draft is rigged, but I've heard that for years about the NBA draft. Well, no. The Hawks haven't had the number one pick in a long time, especially actually since Jonathan Taves. So when was that? Uh, that, was, God, that was a long time ago, 2007, wasn't it? 2007, 2008, yeah. <laughs> somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, LSU responds after getting their asses handed to them in game two with a game three route <laughs> of Florida to win their seventh uh, men's College World Series uh, title. Yay. <laughs> it was, so it was like one of those moments that was like, you know, people are, people get so excited about, you know, the, the championship, right? Well, Georgia beat the ever-living piss out of TCU in their championship. Oh, yeah, LSU did this whole Florida. It was I, I flipped it. I was I was honestly flipping back and forth between this game and the Braves game, and I didn't flip this game on until it was halfway over, and it was already ten to two. And I was like, oh, this game's over. Awesome. Yeah. What a uh, yeah. What a great championship. One of the coolest things though that came out of this is um, I forget where, where was this played at. Uh, Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, so LSU fans have almost drank. Their neighborhood, their wherever they're staying in Omaha, Nebraska, they've drank it dry. They have had six hotels around where LSU fans have stayed that have ran out of alcohol as of yesterday before the game. They have drank the bars at hotel dry where they're staying at. They have sold over fifty thousand Jello shots to LSU fans. I mean, that is a fan base that knows how to put it down. That's insane. Yeah. Drank, drank it dry. Uh, I think I should have been an LSU fan. I think I missed my calling. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, today in 2001 and 2013, arguably the biggest draft busts are drafted number one overall. Kwame Brown to the Wizards in 2001 and Anthony Bennett to the Cavs in 2013 awful both of them if, if any of you if you guys remember that name the only reason you guys remember that name is because they were the number one overall pick and yep. that's it yeah 
in, in my opinion, those are the two biggest number one draft busts ever. I mean, they were they were horrible. I mean, I, Kwame Brown played for a long time, but he was never never any good. I think he only averaged over ten points per game once. And Anthony Bennett, he only played four seasons in the NBA. And I, I don't think Anthony Bennett, I, I don't know if he ever even averaged more than 20 minutes per game. Uh, Anthony Bennett was terrible. That was, that. Anthony Bennett takes the crown, and I think Kwame Brown is number two. Got anything else for us, buddy? Nah, man, let's get out of here on a Taco Tuesday. You can't say that. Apparently, it's trademark. It's not trademark. If I can, if I can say the Ohio State University, I can say Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Please join us tomorrow uh, for our Pop Culture Wednesday. We'll probably put out a post today asking you guys for your opinion on the best comedies from 2003 on. But until then, for Bryce Farling, I am Billy Lindall. Have a great day, everybody. We will talk to you tomorrow, same time, same place. Shake your neighbor, just shake up.